Hi, everyone. This is the Bad Girl's Guide to Love with Dr. Ayo. I'm your host, Dr. Ayo Gathing. I'm a board-certified psychiatrist, best-selling author, and a health and relationship expert. I am here to liberate you from your boring-ass love life. Lose the good girl and unleash your inner bad girl to finally find love and get the relationship you deserve. Hello, bad girls. Welcome to another episode of the Bad Girls Guide to Love. And do I have a treat for you. So many of you have been talking about the male perspective and getting one of these men on here. And here we go. I got him for you. I've got the wonderful and talented King Jay Barnett here. And he is not your average former NFL player. No, he is now a motivational speaker, an author, an advocate for mental health awareness. I mean, he travels the world spreading his enlightened message of success and wellness, and I am just so excited to hear his take on the male perspective of manhood and relationships. So welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh, yes. So what I want to know, and I know my ladies out there will know, want to know, how did you go from NFL football player to writer and in, inspirational speaker? Um, I will say this. It wasn't by design or plan. <laughs> um, so uh, I, I began writing when I was in college, and um, it was really um, my uh, way of, to be able to express myself without talking. And for me, um, I was uh, writing short stories and poems and uh, different things like that. And I would share them with my football, uh, I mean, with my fellow teammates. And um, it just became really uh, an, an, an outlet and just a place where I can hide. And so, you know, the balance between football and writing and, and, and being able to, you know, share uh, those uh, deep thoughts and minds were a very healthy space for me at the moment in time mm-hmm. and to be able to transition into the professional arena, you know, as a, a professional football player and, you know, pursuing my NFL career, NFL dreams. And, and those dreams, you know, fell in short very quickly. Uh, writing um, really was like that um, was, was really that space that I was able to uh, really live in and, and really just be myself. And mm-hmm. so uh, it wasn't until probably I began my youth programs and, and fast forward uh, up until creating them, I had met a mentor that was working with me and I shared my story with him and he advised me on writing a book. And he said, listen, man, I think it's great what a lot of players do after they either play in the league or they don't make it. Um, you know, they create these you know, these organizations and these foundations. But he was like, I really think you should write a book about your story. And I think that it will carry more weight. Uh, It would make you more credible. Um, It would make you more, um, it would would make you more reputable, you know, for Mm -hmm. people that want to hear your message. And so, yeah, and I I began translating uh, my skill sets from football into writing. So, which, you know, being disciplined and Mm -hmm. very 
know, uh, (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine early morning waking up and lots of uh, long stretches of energy. Yeah. So, um, you know, um, you know, so it's just one of those things where uh, I I just really uh, took it seriously. And for me, it was just like I said, it was freedom more so than anything. That's so. so cool. And it, it sounds like you were always a writer. So that was always inside of you. And you might have had other dreams at the time, but it wasn't something that was completely novel to you. It wasn't new. You had that in you, the ability to write and transform your message to words. Right. Absolutely. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. Nice. I love that. So tell my listeners a little bit about your mission and, and some of the context of your books. So um, what, what, what my mission is, is my mission is to alter uh, perspectives and change the mindset of the youth. And I do that through uh, my books, uh, through my speaking. And my mission is to help them to understand, or should I say the objective is to help them identify with who they are as kings and queens. And you know, I use those, uh, use those labels, kings and queens, because I, I truly believe that we are the rulers of our territory, which is our mind, body, and spirit. And if we can get our young people to understand the power uh, they have in ruling their own body, their own mind, and own spirit, it would really uh, place them in a, in a position uh, to really uh, maintain the control over their life as they age and into young adults and become advocates of themselves and for self-growth and uh, self-preservation and, and self-motivation and inspiration and all of these things that, that starts with self. And uh, my mother had always called me king. Uh, it really didn't take precedence uh, into my life until I actually began writing and began um, uh, being mentored by an actual real king from Africa. Mm-hmm. And, and he began telling me, he said, the, the, the issue that you guys have as Americans is that none of you know who you are. And he talked about the culture uh, of his family and the history of his family and how, you know, as a young boy, his dad, from the day he was born, had called him a king and told him he was meant to rule. He was meant to, you know, to take over the world and, you know, all of these positive affirmations. And and it sounds foreign to me because I never heard this. Right. And, 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 what I, and compiling all of those thoughts and those messages, uh, the lessons that I learned from him, I said, man, I have to uh, get this message out to these young people. Mm-hmm. Because I thought back into my life is that had I known who I were, or who I was early on, it would have eliminated a lot of uh, pitfalls that I had to go through. It would have um, really changed the course in my life um, that I chose when it came to certain things. And because my father had divorced my mother, and so I didn't have a positive male role model in my life. So I didn't have a male actually, you know, giving me a blueprint and actually being the idea of something that I would want to become because that had already left when my father divorced my mother. Mm-hmm. So at the so you all didn't necessarily stay in touch and have him be very active in your life after the divorce? No, no. When my father divorced my mother, he was, uh, um, he, it was almost like he divorced uh, his kids as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Sadly, that's, that's so common. We see that so much. Yeah. And so, um, you know, and it's one of those things where, 
you know, when when parents are divorcing the kids or, um, you know, just now going into their adolescent years or, or preteen or teen years, those are very pivotal uh, years um, that they need a guidance. And even though their minds are like sponges and they're soaking up everything and they're still formidable, but it's important that how their minds and perspectives are being shaped. And so that's why I really, uh, I always lead that my, my goal is to alter their perspectives because if I can alter or change your perspective, that will change how you see things. And so that's what's more important um, that uh, the message that I get out to these young people. I love that. It, it's just so hard to learn if someone doesn't teach you that you are empowered, that you have so much more control over your life, over your emotions, over your actions than you really think you do, especially as an adolescent. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. God knows you need it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I'm a child and adolescent psychiatrist by trade. So I also, you know, try to focus in on the young people to kind of drill in some of these messages of, you know, taking care of themselves and, and not really giving in to peer pressure and, and being more self-aware. And it's just so hard in this society today where you have so much access to other people's lives and other people's thoughts and, yeah, I could go on with that forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So you've been really open about, you know, your story, which I love, and your battle with depression um, in some of your uh, literature and writings and, and speaking. How did the depression and, and your story as ra being raised, you know, by your mother, without your father and everything, how did all of that affect your life and relationships? Oh gosh, uh, it, 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 it affected my life in relationships on how I viewed relationships, uh, my view on love, uh, my view on um, being connected to the individual that you are in a relationship with. Because many times what people don't understand about uh, people who deal with uh, depression, and I mean, I know you know this as a psychiatrist, you know, especially... Um, and there were, you know, there was a time when I was uh, a manic depression. You know, I would have these extreme highs and, you know, I have these extreme lows. And, um, you know, it, 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 it's something that you are trying to really fix in your head that you really can't explain. Mm -hmm. And for me, uh, my mother had no understanding of it. Uh, my dad had to uh, dealt with depression, but she didn't really know what that was. You know, I grew up in the South in Mississippi. And so for them, the depression was, you know, uh, the Monday morning blues. <laughs> right, right. Or, you know, he's just down, you know what I mean? And, you know, go eat, eat or go, you know, go run. Or, and so, you know, they, they, they could not identify exactly, especially from uh, a medical uh, term or a professional, a mental uh, health profession. Uh, perspective so they could not truly identify with it so I struggled uh, with trying to figure out what was actually going on you know why was I sad and you know why wasn't I you know happy and and in relationships you know things could be going great but that wasn't enough to to really fix me and to bring me the peace that I need mm -hmm. and because if you're dating somebody who's depressed uh, depression it, it really doesn't have anything to do with circumstance, more so uh, anything, uh, more so uh, is attached to 
what a uh, uh, feeling more so. Right, right. And, and then, of course, and I mean, we can go a whole different route, you know, to talk about the biochemical. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To talk about the physiological, you know, aspect of it. And uh, for me, I think when I had my father, I noticed when I look back on my life uh, from the time up until I was 10, 11, you know, times were different. Like I was a happy kid. And what I realized is that in the depression, when I was in relationships, is that I was only in the relationship for the other person because I felt that I didn't bring anything to it mm -hmm. and that the other person did not have anything to give me. So everything I had was for them. Hmm. That's pretty deep. So you felt like you had to give but not receive? Right. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So how did that play out with how your relationships were turning out? Uh, they, they were, um, extremely, um, extremely emotional at times, um, because I had taken on the behavior of my father because my father, you know, he wouldn't talk to my mother. And so he was very, uh, you know, he internalized a lot. And as the, a lot of those men, they, they, you know, looking back on it and in hindsight, you know, I mean, it's, it's just, you know, they didn't, they didn't really know how to talk. And so, mm -hmm. You know, a lot of the relationships that I were in, they would spend so much time, Jay, what's wrong? Jay, how can I help you? Jay, you know, what can I do to make this better? What can I do to make you smile? And even if I smiled and even if it was a good day, I just still felt like, you know, um, there was something that was missing mm -hmm. that was allowing me to not actually feel the real authentic emotions in the moment or in the space of connecting to someone mm -hmm. so it goes back to, it was always attached to a feeling like, man, I feel bad today. Like, you know, I just feel like I failed because, you know, I had all of my marbles and, you know, this football thing and it didn't work out. And for me, mm -hmm. after football failed me, you know, especially when I, you know, got to the league and it didn't happen like I wanted to. It was more so like I, I just checked out. And I could physically be in a relationship with the girl or with the woman, but I was not emotionally present. Right, right. So you were there physically and you wanted to be there mentally, but emotionally you really just yeah. couldn't connect and maybe give what was expected to you or even receive what you needed to receive. Right, exactly. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. So, so what did you do? I know, and I'm going to probably skip. So I know you're happily in a relationship right now. So how did that change? So how did you know your wife is the one and how did you know you were ready for her? I, uh, a lot of, a lot of therapy, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> a lot of mentoring, um, a lot of mistakes, um, a lot of, uh, soul searching, and um, a lot of uh, really seeking outside of uh, myself. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm the type of man, uh, and I've been like this since I was a kid. I was a very precocious kid. I was, I was way before my time. And I've always had an interest in things deeper than the surface. Like when I was a kid, you could not just answer uh, a question, you know, very vaguely. Like I, I wanted specific, like I wanted de uh, specific details. Like I wanted to hear you know, the depths of the answer. And so for, for me, I began to really seek out, not only through therapy, uh, 
I, I begin to seek out, you know, because I've been engaged twice. And so, and both of them, you know, um, were failed. Mm-hmm. And so I began seeking out what was it about these two people that attracted me, but not only attracted me, what was it about them that uh, brought me to the place to get on one knee and propose? Mm-hmm. One. Mm-hmm. Two, I look back at the women that I were with. Most of these women uh, did not add to who I was at the time or where God was taking me. And there was so much brokenness within uh, one of them. It just, you know, I, I had to realize, why is it that you are attracting these types of people? Mm-hmm. And that's when I had to go back to the drawing board and realize that there was some broken areas in me that uh, that kept attracting these type of people because you don't get what you want out of a relationship. You get who you are. Right. So until any individual address the presenting issue that lies within you, you will always attract that thing that you're running from, from and you'll find yourself running to it in a relationship. And that's what I, I was doing because I was looking, you know, I wanted validation from my father. Mm-hmm. I wanted acceptance. Um, I wanted to know that I could still receive the same love, even if I could not meet the requirements that were expected of me. Because in my family, it was expected that you go to the NFL. And if that that did not happen, you were considered a failure. And anything outside of that was, 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 uh, you know, uh, almost you know, just, you know, not worthy of of being talked about. Oh, wow. That's some pretty high stakes there. Some high expectations. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, um, and so, you know, I just, you know, really wanted to uh, do a lot of deep, 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 deep searching into my, my father's history, you know, to see what was the relationship between he and his dad. Um, also what was the relationship between my mother and her father. And so I really began doing a lot of thinking and, and, and a lot of really uh, self-work, and which a lot of people don't want to do uh, these days. Like, you have to do the work. You have and, to do the work. I tell and, people that all the time. They're like, well, how do you get from X to, to Y? It's like, you got to do the work in between. There's no quick fix. There's no way to jump over it. There's no way to get under it. There, You just have to do the work. Yeah, you have to do the work. And I mean, it's, it's, you know, there are some things in life that necessitate, you know what I'm saying, total, total, you know, commitment mm-hmm. in areas that you will really, you know, don't want to really, you know, uh, deal with, but you need them. You need to. Yeah, especially in this, you know, era of relationship goals and seeing all these people from a superficial level. And they think that the only thing you need to be in a relationship is for everyone to be cute or to have money. And it's like, no, it takes so much more than that to make a relationship successful. But they don't see that part. They just see the pictures or the trips or the videos and all of that. No, yeah, they don't. They don't see that part and not realizing that, you know, uh, with the relationship, it it comes with more than just people saying unconditional love. It comes down to having unconditional ac- acceptance of your partner. Mm-hmm. And uh, for the relationship that I'm in now, you know, I waited about two or three years before I actually got back involved with someone. Um, but, 
you know, the one thing that I noticed about her is that she spoke to a place in my life that hadn't, um, that, that no one had uh, spoken to. It's is that she would speak to my soul. Mm -hmm. uh, she was, she, she was less concerned about, you know, King Jay or this image on faith uh, on social media and, you know, and, and who I am on social media is who I'm off, off of social media. And, um, but she wanted to get to know the guy behind the message. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was something that I had not really encountered. Uh, it was something that felt, you know, uh, it didn't feel, uh, it, it didn't feel like uh, it was superficial. You know, all your good looking guy. You, right, you know, right, you right. And you work with these kids and, you know, that's attractive and, you know, it's admirable. It was none of those things. Everything had to do with like, who is this guy, you know, behind all of this stuff? What's his why? And and what's funny is that she would ask me three questions every day. And 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 because we started off as friends and, and at the time, you know, I was kind of talking to somebody else and you know, and I told her. <laughs> but <laughs> oh, okay. I, I respect that. Yeah. You were up front. Yeah, so you know, I was and, and I, I kind of knew that, you know, it really wasn't going anywhere. And um and here's the difference that I would share this with your listener is that if you can speak to a man's soul, that man will open his heart. The problem with today's society is that, that they're speaking to the wrong areas. And when he doesn't open up their heart, you know, they are, you know, they are hurt and their heart is broken behind that and they're confused. And well, so how do they open up your soul? Like how do they, I mean, speak to your soul? Like how, what does that mean? Like, what does that look speaking like? To, speaking to a man's soul is speaking to the places that he won't uh, uh, openly invite someone in. Mm -hmm. Cause see, there's a way to connect without really uh, sounding very inquisitive or um, you know, an annoying or, mm -hmm. or, or someone who's <laughs> nagging, nagging, you know, that, yeah. Yeah. So that, that is the way because, you know, to, cause you know, at, at the depths of a man's heart is hidden, is his hidden visions, um, his dreams, his insecurities, those things that he are afraid to really show and, uh, and to really be open about. Because for a man is that is speaking to his soul is 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 different for every man. Mm -hmm. But I will say what is the same is being able to reframe his thinking and what he sees by not being like everyone else and doing something different and catering to an area besides his physical parts. Right. Oh my goodness. I tell my ladies that they know, you all know, I tell them you, I mean, beauty fades or just the novelty of beauty. I mean, you have to have more than just a pretty face or be fun. Like that kind of wears off and you have to live yeah. a day to day and speak to someone other than that level of entertainment. Exactly. Exactly. Nice. And so she would ask those three, she would ask me three questions every day. And the three questions were very simple questions. The three questions were like, if you had the opportunity to talk with one civil rights leader, who would it be and why? They were questions like that. Okay, she was getting deep on them. <laughs> but for me, but, but then again, right, for me, 
And, and then two, you know, what's important also for the woman to study the man that she's interested in. Right. Like you got to know what he, what he likes and what he's into and, you know, not pretend that you like it, but just show that you care enough to, to ask about it and hear about it. Exactly. Because many men have played the role of just being givers. Mm -hmm. And many of us as myself, we don't know how to receive Mm -hmm. because all we do is we give whether it's money or we're giving our time or we're giving of ourselves, and not saying, you know, um, that um, some women don't do that, but most men don't know how to receive. Women are naturally receivers. You know, a woman naturally receives. I mean, even the way a woman body is designed, she's designed as a receiver. So that is what she does by design, by her genetic makeup. And as a man, we have uh, so many uh, times um gotten so caught up in giving that we forget to give to ourselves first of all and we forget to understand that receiving is part of giving mm-hmm. yeah yeah and that's what the woman wants from you she wants you to be able to receive the love that she's giving and all of the you know things that she wants to do that nurturing part of women that wants to you know take care of you and you know help you out like we want you all to be able to receive that right because a man but but the 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 key to that is the only way he's able to receive to receive that he's able to trust the space that he's in when it is being given because if i feel or if he feel that this space um is not safe and this this space could be possible um you know a threat because if i share information if i really open up myself if i i, I really uh become vulnerable you know and you take this and use it against me it 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 it, it would damage a man mhm well, so that's why uh, that that's an interesting point and it leads me to my next question kind of because i know this is something that you talk about and that has been near and dear to you about redefining manhood so what does it mean to redefine manhood and and how does that kind of play into what we're talking about with the giving and receiving of relationships well if we look at um just the history um and, 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 and we can just talk with black men, right? When you look at uh, how manhood uh, is defined amongst black men, it's totally different for, for other cultures and other races. And you look at the black man who, uh, who's been sort of visualized uh, uh, as a threat physically, um, as someone who is strong physically, but he's weak mentally. And when you look at the uh, backdrop of a black man even becoming successful, it's normally attached to a very uh, jaded perspective. Either he is a athlete or he is a, you know, a a drug, uh, you know, a, a dope boy. So there, there's no real identification of what manhood looks like to us because we've had so many definitions that it's been presented to us. So we've never had an opportunity to create our own. 
So for some men, manhood is like, yo, I'm paying, I'm paying the light bills and keeping the lights on. For another guy, it's like, yo, listen, man, you know, you ought to be glad I'm coming home at night. My dad didn't come home at night. Mm-hmm. Or for another guy, he, you know what I mean? For him, manhood is like, you know, I'm holding this job down. I'm, I'm, I'm taking care of the family. You know, what else do you want from me? So it looks like, it's, it's, it looks, you know, like so many different things to so many different men based on the dynamic that shaped them. And what I want to re, uh, redefine manhood is I want to take a more biblical route and reshape their perspective to understanding who they are and God first. Because until you have an understanding who God has created you to be, you'll always be searching and you will always attach yourself to the world system or what they say a man should be. Because in, in our cultures, like, if you don't have one or two women on the side, you're not a man. If you're not sowing your royal oaks, you're not a man. If you can't take a woman out to dinner, you're not a man. So all of these sort of warp, you know, perspective based off of television, based off of, you know, what has been presented to us. And the true uh, definition I can say about uh, of a man is someone who, who is who defines himself by willing to stand for what is right when no, when everyone else is choosing to sit, mm, and being a man, like meaning meaning that who you are, vulnerability has to be a part of that, because until I can have access of your vulnerabilities, not to exploit you, but to gain understanding of who you are and where you came from and how you view life. Mm-hmm. And giving these young men an opportunity to say, listen, dude, it's okay to cry. We're not Superman. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? I know <laughs> in this world that tells us to go out here and put on these capes and save the world and save the family, but that's not who we are. And to really help these young boys and these men to understand, like, hey, man, there are some days that you're going to have in your life when you are just clueless of what's going on around Mm-hmm. But that does not change that you have purpose. It does not change that you are significant, and it does not change that you have value in this society. Mm-hmm. And so that's the route that I want to take in explaining and articulating that to these young boys and to these young adult males. I love that. And, you know, just such a message of empowerment and that you have the space to be vulnerable and make mistakes and, you know, be imperfect, you know, because I know men often feel like they have to provide, they have, you know, they can never fail, you know, and that's like your family with your NFL expectation. I mean, those expectations to never be able to make mistakes or to never struggle and to always, you know, be prepared. I mean, that that's a hard burden to carry. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And so many men are dying to, you know, carry out this definition of manhood. And, you know, and they're leaving legacies of dysfunctions behind. Yeah. Because cycles that they're creating are cycles of unhealthy behaviors. You know, these negative patterns, uh, these dysfunctional uh, uh, um, relationships which is creating a world of broken kids. For sure. For sure. (laughs) Yeah. So, but yeah, that's, 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 that's what my, my, my goal is. And my mission is, is, is to redefine what manhood looks like. 
And that's an interesting because a lot of times, especially on the female perspective, and most of my audience is female, so I know they're waiting with bated breath at all your responses to <laughs> see what your thoughts are. But a lot of talk is about kind of redefining womanhood and how we're working now and we're waiting later to have children and we're able to be independent and, you know, earn our own incomes and not necessarily be um kind of in need of a man to take care of ourselves. So how do you think that movement or, or the education of women and the income level of women has affected dating and relationships? Well, my gosh, I can talk about that all day. <laughs> I know, right? It could be one just on that. <laughs> I'm going to give you two sides to it. Okay. Um, I have, I'm the only boy. I have sisters. Uh, very educated sisters, very smart degrees and all those different things. And um, I can uh, look back and kind of listen to the conversations that my mom would tell them, you know, don't you depend on no man. Go get your education, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And here's what happened is that we had a era of single mothers raising boys and girls. Mm -hmm. And what happened was that mothers were raising their daughters to be independent and strong and loving their sons to the point where they became mentally uh, enabling them mentally. Mm -hmm. So here's what happened. You had these girls grow up. They got their education. They got the careers. I mean, black women are killing it right now uh, uh, as entrepreneurs are starting uh, uh, new businesses. And the men were, the boys were left behind. And so now in this era, I'm, I'm for, you know, independent women and all those different things and, you know, uh, um, you know, equal pay. I, I, I agree with all of it. If you can do the job, I mean, you should be equally paid. I totally in agreeing with that. And what has happened is that all of the boys were lost with no vision because why? There was no dad. So all of these boys was lost um, to the destruction of the neighborhood, the streets, the movies, the music, while the girls was getting their books because mama was telling them you better go get your degree. Education don't depend on no man. But at the same time, she wasn't raising the boy to become a man. Right. She's babying him. Mm -hmm. So now you have a bunch of grown baby males walking around here with a, uh, tons of independent sisters, right? Mm -hmm. in, this, in this generation. Very sad. Very sad. And, you know, one of the things is, is that I, I really, and, I, and I'm talking to many women that are educated and I and I always encourage them I said listen you really have to focus on your journey because if you're not careful you will get all of the questions right when it comes to your career when it comes to your uh, uh, job your education but you would get it wrong when it comes to relationships mm -hmm. if you're not careful and that's what we're seeing and so you're seeing a lot of women who are educated that make bad love decisions as it pertains to relationships. Mm -hmm. And so really it's just the luck of the draw because of the society that we're in. And I don't blame women because my mother was that independent mother who raised three kids. 
And I tell guys all the time, like, you cannot blame them. I cannot blame a woman that decided to step up and to make it happen when you can no longer depend on a man. And then on the other side, I have to tell these men, like, you have to respect these sister hustle. You have to respect her grind. So you have to respect and know that if she's put in the hours, she's put in the time, she's put in the, in, in the study, the internship, why would you want to get that to her and share that with a fool? <laughs> right. right. When they, when they come and say, all oh, these sisters, they think they this, man, they too this and that. But I'm like, what did you expect? Right. But then, but then what would their role be? It's almost like, and this is, I guess, more of a gender role question, like where, how can we come together then from these baby men and these strong women? Like how does, or do we just, you know, keep promoting women being independent and alone and trying to tell them don't want those other things for yourselves and just accept being successful? You know, for, for me is, is that it takes a very mature man, a very, uh, developed, evolved man that <clears throat> is in constant relationship with God to learn who he is. Because the man who knows who he is, what God is calling him to do, the vision, the purpose that God has on his life, he does he does not view the woman's success or her independency as a threat. If anything, he views it as a compliment to who he is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, to any sisters, listen, if he cannot compliment who you are and where you are, then he's not the one. Because the right man will take where you are and elevate you even higher, whether you make more than him than anything. Because I can be honest, I have dated some women that made more than I did. I never felt invaluable. I never felt inadequate. I never felt incompetent because her field was her field, but my field was my field mm-hmm. now together we and we would have gotten married and i don't and i don't believe that it would have been an issue that, that i was ahead of the household because that being ahead of the household is not it's not attached to your income it's right. attached to your level and your ability to lead and make decisions but our men aren't learning that they're not exactly. learning, they're not learning. <laughs> how to be leaders or take control. No, not know, I, I feel, and I've found that, and you know, being a doctor, of course, you know, there's a lot of different fields that are attractive out there and to date people. And it's not about money. It's about interest and stimulation mentally and, and having fun and being able to connect and all those things. But at the end of the day, you can't turn over your household to someone who cannot be responsible or has not learned how to make healthy decisions. Yep. You are absolutely right. And the men are not being taught this. Mm-hmm. And this is why, you know, one of the things is, is, um, Ms. Gathering, I, is this is why I stay focused on what God has given me because there are times that I am cringing in my spirit because I look at the things that go viral. I look at the things that, we are um, glamorizing, polarizing, mm-hmm. and I look at all these different things that we're like bringing so much attention to. And I'm like, the things that we should be attention to, like myself, and I know some other brothers that are doing some amazing things with young boys. And of course, you know, I just happen to be able to have the gift to be able to do it with boys and girls. And I'm like, but they won't talk about this. 
because to talk about this and to highlight this, you know what it does? It changes perspectives. Mm -hmm. So I have to keep the perspectives where they are because if they begin to change, guess what? They make different decisions. Right. True. Which you would think would be a positive thing. <laughs> yeah, you would think it would be a positive thing. It's like, you know, um, like in two weeks, I am working with 60 girls right now and uh, my foster care that I work with. And, um, and I take my emotion recovery program into foster care. It's like all over. And Sunday, we had um, the mirror, mirror exercise. So uh, I have 20 girls per session. And a girl was sitting in front of me. Um, I'm, I kind of stand behind her, and she, you know, grabs a chair, and she has to pick up the mirror. So when you pick up the mirror, you have to answer all of the questions that I ask you, but you have to answer them looking in the mirror. And not one person has ever not cried. Mm -hmm. Everyone cries, even when I do this with boys. And the girl said to me, Mr. J, why is it that this mirror is so hard? I said, because the hardest person to face is you. Mm -hmm. And believe it or not, do you know not one girl could look in that mirror when I asked them, is that person in the mirror beautiful? No. And all of them were connecting their beauty to what they, what they had heard somebody say that they wasn't and what they had seen someone else look like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like next Sunday, I'm doing a balloon release ceremony. Now, you would think like, oh, my God, this is a black man, like working with girls to the levels that you've never seen a man take girls this deep. Black girls, Hispanic girls, white girls. And now you would think that is media he heaven. Mm -hmm. No, not at all. But no one wants to talk about that. <laughs> no, because why? When you are changing and empowering someone, right, it's hard for people and for the media to celebrate that because what you are doing when you are empowering them, you are giving them access and enlightening them that they have the ability to change. They're mm -hmm. not Because my message to them constantly is that I cannot change what happened. I cannot change who did it. And I cannot change who should have stopped it. The only thing that I can do is to be um, the agent of change and to help you discover those unique abilities and qualities that rest on the inside of you, but it's gonna take you to search for them outside out of this situation and circumstance. And so I tell them, you don't have to use the group home as, it's not the end. This is just a phase that you're in right now. Right. Because all of these girls age out. And at some point in your life, you will have to move on from this phase. Yep. But they've got to, you know, be empowered to not let that be what defines them. And I think we often, like you said, look in the mirror, define ourselves in a certain way based on what we see or what we hear, or what we're told, or what we experience, or just because we're not given enough positive reinforcement or, you know, told enough about ourselves that is positive. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So do you have any advice for my female listeners out there that are looking for love in this world that's so superficial and so negative and can be so focused 
on the wrong thing. So any advice for them looking for love during this time? My advice would be to work the hell out of your purpose. Work the hell out of your purpose, meaning that fall in love with your purpose and work it. Whether it is a business, going back to school, um, building a partnership, a nonprofit organization, just work it. I mean, when you really think about the story of Naomi and Ruth, and of course, you know, a lot of people um, uh, really, you know, pull from that story a lot. And when you really think about, you know, um, Ruth really was, I mean, she was, she was working. Mm-hmm. Like she was working. And it wasn't so much that he found her, but by her working, placed her in position to be connected to him. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. see, when, you, when you're not focused on what you're called and chosen to do, and you begin to wonder, you're out of position. Mm-hmm. And so, so many women are losing focus because they're trying to compete against the masses on how they should get a man. And really, when you're in position, there's no competition. Yes, I love that. (laughs) Because being in position allows whatever's yours to fall right in your lap. Y'all hear that? When you are in position, there is no competition. Ooh, I get that gave me chills. I love that. Yeah, there's, there's, there's no competition. And so I would tell them, you know, love on you. Continue, continue to to uh, 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 to search within yourself and not like something is wrong, but continue to dig out everything that God wants to show you, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it, because you don't want to be involved or connected to a man that only loves pieces of you. Mm-hmm. Right. That's so true. And I tell women, when you're trying to be your best self and your true, authentic best self, that's when love will come because you'll be so irresistible. Like you won't even be able to fight it off. (laughs) Yep. You're absolutely right. And I would tell them remain you in a world full of people who are imitating, uh, stealing, you know what I mean? Swag or whatever you want to call it. And Mm -hmm. you know, know, people who are uh, in identity crisis remain who you are. Yes, I love that. See, we didn't even coordinate. And this is like so many of the messages I give. So I love that you are here from a male's perspective confirming this because, you know, people say, oh, no, you told him to say that. No, no, this is all impromptu. I didn't know what he was going to come on here and say. (laughs) So where can my ladies find out more about you and your initiatives or, or how to support you? Uh, so my, my initiative, we have a website, um, title, um, not title, but the website is called we build projects with an S.org. And on that site, you're able to learn about uh, the programs that we have mentoring program, which are six weeks development program for young boys and young girls, early, uh, junior high, high school. And we, uh, even have our transition, our programs into the collegiate level as well. And so these programs deal with the five elements of building a whole individual, you know, all the way from breaking down their mental capacity and being able to understand that life is a mental battle, uh, being able to identify with who they are, 
through identifying with who they are not. And so we uh, develop vision boards. Uh, we really teach them how to become a strategist in their life and choose uh, and make decisions and choices according to where they want to end and not where they're starting. And so, um, of course, you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, Facebook, all those. And it's under King J. Barnett and all of my books, Letters to a Young Queen, Hello King, Finding Our Lost Kings and Queens are available on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, Kindle and, and uh, iTunes. Awesome. They're going to be stalking you out there waiting for the next gym to be dropped, knowing what you're doing, participating. Yes, yes. I am working on a um, two books. Um, one is titled Forgiven. Um, it's about um, my the journey of re- repairing the relationship between my father and I. And um, the next book is Raising a King, and it's a book for single mothers. Oh, yes, love that. oh, yeah, we might have to have you back on after you drop that and talk about single motherhood in general. That That's always a yes. good one. Well, thank you so much for coming on. You've been yes, so thank inspirational, you fun, knowledgeable. I love it. So all you ladies out there, check him out on all those avenues, social media, buy up those books. Don't stop supporting. And until next time, be bad. That's this week's episode of Bad Girl's Guide to Love with Dr. Ayo. Thanks for listening. If you have enjoyed this podcast, I'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give me a review on iTunes. For more material and content, you can find me under IOGathingMD on Instagram and Twitter, or head over to my website, www.iogathingmd.com. Don't forget to join me next week for another episode. Until then, be bad.